0: Can you see it Did you know
1: this over checked the puck comes right to Patterson who tries a bank pass for Besser In with a shot he scores moment's notice era's
0: listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation
2: Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
1: Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl Steels cutting in huge Public
0: display is that which makes me sleep. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S, all one word, HockeySeason. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Go check them out on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. Go follow them. And when you go to the store, the retail location in Surrey, don't forget you can order online because they do free shipping On any order over $50. But more on that in a second. They have the retail location in Surrey. If you visit them, tell them Canucks Convo sent you. You can still use our promo code, Hockey Season, for $5 off your order. But if you order online, like I said, they have free shipping anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... From Vernon
1: to Vernon. Elaborate. Vernon BC to Vernon Ontario. From
0: Vernon BC to Vernon Ontario, Zephyr Epic ships free on any order over $50. So go check them out for all of your trading card needs. We are also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital Ds, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Guadrelli. I am very pleased to be joined now by Harmon Dial... And Chris Faber.
1: What's going on? I'm in a great mood today. Explain why. Because this is the last piece of business that I have to handle before three days off. I'm so excited. Get a little bit of a vacation in. I'll tell you
0: what. All the vacations you take, we gotta we gotta start keeping track of your vacation okay. days.
1: I take a weekend off every once in a blue moon. Every
0: once a month? Every once in once, a a once month. every two months? No. Way.
1: Every two months I take a weekend off.
0: That's fair. See, I'm bad. trying to figure out how I want to structure my week. Vac- do you get two weeks of vacation at The Athletic?
1: Three to four.
0: Okay. When are you taking them? Like, do you take them back to back to back? Or do you, are you taking any in season? Well, last
2: year was really weird because the off season was so short. Yeah. And um, me and Drancer have to, like, kind of coordinate so that both of us aren't off at the same time. So it was, like, really weird where I took one week off in June. And then, like, it was, like... Very scattered of like one week randomly there, one week randomly there, and like one week randomly there. It wasn't connected at all.
0: See, so I get two weeks and I want to take them back to back like I want my 14 days straight and then I'll Same, jump back. That's ideal. It. that's what hmm. I want to do.
1: I wouldn't like that. I like to space mine out. Clearly. I used to always when I used to work at the mill, you just have like how many days off you would get? You normally get like 10 days. Yeah. I would never have them like consecutively. It would always be a just I'd take one on a Monday or take one on a Friday just for like long weekends for myself. I but don't know, actually now I think about it, the best part was we worked 4 day a week like four day work weeks at the mill. You worked Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday, 10 hour shifts. So like if you took a Thursday off, you had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you got four day weekends when you took those extra days. Those were nice.
0: That's legit. That's pretty good. Okay. Are we, are we done with the non hockey talk just five minutes into the show or do no. you have anything? Do you want to tell us about your dreams, Chris?
1: No, I'm not talking about the dreams that are on here. I was, took a couple too many melatonins last night. had a weird dream about a pet raccoon. Anyways, uh, no, I'm excited to get uh, get on vacation here for a little bit. Like I said, I don't. I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I might just mail it in this week, real hard, and let you guys run the show. But uh, now that I'm here, I'm in a good mood. I've been up since about five thirty in the morning because I went to bed. Like I said, pop those Mellies at about ten thirty, and I was at eleven o'clock. I was out, so I got like almost seven hours of sleep last night, which is wild. That's that's a, like I'm not going to need a nap at any point this week because I got seven hours in last night. Wait, that's considered a lot. For me, that's a lot. Well, you guys, I can't sleep in. You guys know I can't sleep in past like 930. And you guys, right, sometimes yeah. I text you. I don't get a text back till one in the afternoon. Uh, not anymore.
0: Yeah, right. You've been to one of them. here. The latest I've slept in in the past, like probably since the season started, the latest I've slept in is probably 11 o'clock. No,
1: no. Maybe well, you 12. do that regularly too, like no, <laughs> until no. eleven.
0: No, now I've been getting up at now I've been getting up at seven thirty every day.
1: Yeah, because you're a breakfast guy now. You're all about you're yeah. making your own breakfast. breakfast I think that burritos. changes your the time because like if you're getting used to eating good breakfast. Well, I always
0: eat good breakfast. It's just sometimes I, I used to eat it at like one o'clock. Sometimes. <laughs> mm, damn. I I love my breakfast though. You know that. Yeah, I know that. I, I'm not a big breakfast, but guy, I'm actually. I'm back on the the back on the early morning workouts. Okay. Courtesy of Murph.
1: I tell you, like, I'm looking for uh, like an apartment. May 1st is when I'm looking to move into downtown Vancouver. Get one with a gym. That's a, well, most of them have them. So that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, I'm pretty excited to get back in the gym. I've been like, I haven't been like working out or eating healthy or anything, but I've like cut out some things from my life. I've lost 25 pounds that's this awesome, year, man. which is, like, I'm not even trying. <laughs> so, like, for anyone that's trying to lose weight, I'm sorry. But, like, all I did was, like, cut out monsters uh, and stop eating <laughs> McDonald's so much. And, like I've lost 25 pounds in, like, three <laughs> months. So I'm excited to, like, get back in the gym now. I got this little boost from, from cutting out the crap. And now we'll see what happens when I actually get to work out again.
0: All you have to do is, like, make sure you talk to Murph and you will be motivated to work out.
1: Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure.
0: Murph fires it up. Murph, Murph, Murph fires me up all the time. I like text him like, Murph, what pre-workout
1: should I have? Murph's my workout, buddy. It works out well. Let's get to that. that uh, wow, I see what you did there. works out well. Uh, yeah, Murph's, Murph's the man for that. Okay, let's uh, get to hockey talk. We're almost eight minutes in. Trevor's gonna be pissed. He's, we got to go at least ten. Trevor's gonna oh. hear that we're you know well, that's cutting the out problem. early.
0: We were talking about this on the last show. Oh up. god, are
1: we really gonna extend this to ten minutes? It's yeah, just, well, yeah, not no, quite. Not quite. But we got to keep it consistent.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is, Susie,
1: like, ten minutes. You got to like cut me off.
0: We just get some people who are like, oh, like cut cut the personal talk. Start talking about hockey, and then there's people who are like. Well, don't talk too much about hockey. It's yeah, we even,
1: had a review the other day, five star review. It was just like, if you're looking for pure hockey talk, this is not the show. It's like, oh well, we like once we get into a groove, I feel like it's pretty good. I feel good like to we're hockey a good talk.
0: hockey show once we get going, but we gotta warm up.
1: Yeah, I don't want to just come in here and, and be strictly business. I want to come in here, drink an iced coffee, chat a little bit. Try to put
0: your melatonin dreams. Okay,
1: yeah, we're not doing that live. And we'd be here for 15 more minutes if I started talking about that. I couldn't get away from the raccoon in my dreams last night. I kept going back to sleep. I'd wake up at three in the morning, like in a cold sweat. I'm like this freaking raccoon that's going on in my dreams here. Then I went back to sleep. I'm like, okay, I won't have the raccoon follow me anymore. Once I go back for another dream, he's right back in there. I don't, I, don't know what was going on last night. Was he, like, friendly? Was he hissing at you? All I remember from the dream was, like, always having to take him out. Like, I, he was like a pet. I had to, like, put him outside all the time. Just to pee or, I like? Don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what the hell was going on last night in my dream. But it was, yeah, anyways. Do you have a name? Too name much tag? melatonin. Caller? No, nothing. Name tag. You know those things pets <laughs> weird? Name tag? No. You didn't have anything last night, so. I can't remember. All I remember was being pissed off about a raccoon, so. <laughs> Let's All get right. to this. Come on. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's get hop going. Into some hockey talk. Hockey talk. We got here. the biggest outline we've ever seen here. Yeah. Cause you wrote it. Yeah. Exactly. Actually <laughs> it's, it it resembles
0: the ones from the radio show.
1: Yeah. Almost. All right. Get rolling with it. We got a big, big outline. Three of four
0: points so far on the road trip. We're recording this on Friday morning. It will be out Saturday morning. Three or four points on the road trip. Obviously pretty successful. You'd like to see them get both of those wins, but Harmon, how do you kind of look at these first two games? Cause obviously it was a big surprise. Uh, with the Yarl Halak start with winning that game against Colorado.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you told me that the Canucks were going to play Colorado, Minnesota on the road, back to back, especially the other night, the other night in Minnesota getting in at four o'clock in the morning, and that Yaroslav Halak would have one of those starts, I'd be like, they're, they'll be lucky to get two points, yeah. let alone three. And so, from my perspective, I was really impressed, especially because. That weekend was such a letdown, losing both of those games and and how detrimental that was to the team's playoff hopes. And then at the deadline to lose uh, a piece like Mott, I think it would have been really easy to look at the road trip coming up, look at how difficult it is, know that you're going to have to start your um, unreliable backup at that point before the start. I mean, all of us had kind of written Halak off. And I think it would have been easy to kind of mail that in or sort of just not believe in the same way that they perhaps did uh, before the homestand. And so for the group to show that kind of resolve and to battle the way they did against Colorado and, and basically stymie their uh, offensive, offensive weaponry, especially off the rush, I think that was super impressive. And then even against Minnesota, I think it was Clear that they ran out of gas about midway through the game because of the second leg of the back-to-back. But in the first period, it was it was tight. They were going blow for blow with each other. That was a really fun first period the other night. Yeah, that was like I think both teams had their had their chances. Both goalies were sharp. And I think after you know I, I love both first periods against Colorado and Minnesota, right? And we've talked a lot about Slow starts, and I think in both cases, the Canucks came out and played just about as well as you could for a road first period. And you know, again, through the second, they got started to tire out, but even then, when they were down 2 1, I think it was going into the third, um, the other night, I just thought they at that point they had really been struggling to generate anything offensively, they just didn't have the legs, and Minnesota continue, continued to wear them down. So even in that environment to find a way to get back in that game with the power play goal, I mean that was just huge. And of course it it sucks you would have liked to pick up the extra point, especially because Dallas won both games. So if you take a step back, even though the Canucks on a micro level were outstanding and played about as well as you could have hoped for, they're in in the scope of the playoffs. Their deficit actually increased by a point, yeah. which is ironic considering how absurdly well this this two game set went. So that's kind of disappointing, uh, but all in all, it at least keeps them in the hunt, and it's obviously long odds, but it kind of sets Saturday up to at least you have a chance to believe. And you know that's that's a four point
1: four point game essentially when you're going up against a direct competitor. So yeah, a shot. I I actually really thought that. I thought the momentum for what they did in the third period against the Wild kind of started at the end of the second. You mentioned they kind of faded off. I thought they had a decent pushback. I think it started with a power play late in the second and they built off of that. And it felt like there was like momentum going into the third period for them. And they came out and had a good third period against the wild after what I thought was like what happened in that second period was they got like they got pushed around. That that Minnesota team, man, like they're they don't have like the top end talent, but wow, are there like all of their lines feel like second lines and then they have like a third line. Like they have
2: Caprizov and and
1: Zuccarello's going completely off though, So they've got that top end skill now too. Right. And yeah, Caprizov that goal he scored the other day was just video game kind of stuff. And I mean, I thought that that type of matchup in the second of a back to back, as you mentioned, the travel, I know Luke Shen mentioned Shen says it's the worst he's ever dealt with in his career. Like in his NHL (laughs) career, he's never had to do a back to back like that. And that's the team that you don't want to match up. Like, Even if you were to think if those teams were flopped, I still think you might want to face, you know, you might want to face the wild first because they're going to bring a lot more physicality. They really banged bodies throughout the game. Like on everyone, there was a shift where Tanner Pearson got lit up twice, like hard in that second period. But I thought there was some pushback. and, And honestly, I really liked and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I like I liked what. What happened with the fourth line on that, like in that second period, I thought they were one of the lines that actually gave some pushback for silly pod Colson being the best. I thought that might have been. And if you're talking like just strictly not like stats and putting up goals and assists, whatever, I thought that might have been with silly pod Colson's like best game of the way that I like to see him play. And chase on was good, too. Like I, I give him credit as well. And Patan had a couple nice plays. I'm not sure about him on the second power play unit so much, but that fourth line actually brought some energy in that second period. And I thought they were like a a good force to kind of turn the momentum going into the third, where the Canucks were able to sneak out a point. You look at what they did in this matchup and these two games, these two strong teams in the avalanche, obviously the best team in the league and Minnesota wild, who are, I think a matchup nightmare for the Vancouver Canucks. And To get three points out of it, you have to look at that as a huge positive. And I think they did. Like We heard, remember Quinn Hughes a couple weeks ago talking about when they came back and only got the one point after they gave up a lead in the third period. And he was saying like it was a huge letdown to only get one point. I look at last night, and you could hear it from Boudreaux and Horvat and everybody in the post-game availability on Thursday that they were pretty happy coming out of that with three points and they should be, that was a really tough matchup. And that's the reason why we looked at the homestand, the seven games, they had to win more games because it looked like they weren't going to win anything here, uh, or at least, you know, come out of here with three points out of these possible four in this first two of the road trip. But, you know, it it does spark a little bit more because it felt like playoff chances died at the, at the end of the homestand. It felt like it was really just DOA wasn't going to happen, but, but, you know, there's a little spark again. Well, like there's a little bit of a spark for playoffs after what they just did to start the road trip.
0: I think the biggest takeaway, guys, is Yarrow Holak not only won that game, but Bruce Boudreau can trust Yarrow Holak in net again. And not only Bruce Boudreaux, but the players now trust having Yarrow Holak in net again. And it wasn't that way right before that start. Like the way Yarrow had been playing, they thought it was an automatic loss if he was in net. Like that's how ever that's The feeling in the fan base. That's definitely the feeling in the locker room. And that was definitely the feeling among the coaching staff. And I know Boudreaux publicly, you know, always goes to bat for Yarrow Halak. Like we've seen that a lot recently is him going to bat for Yarrow Halak and, you know, saying he still believes him and all that stuff. And that's great. But, you know, as a coach, when you have Thatcher Demko and you see what Yarrow Halak's done in his past few starts, you know, it's not crazy to suggest that the coach isn't super thrilled about that and thinks he can win a game with that goalie in net. But for Jarl Halak to step in that way, like that changes the entire outlook, I think. Because, look, like it really looked like the plan was for Demko to play every back-to-back if they were still in it down the stretch. I think they started Halak because they kind of figured, eh, we might be in it, but we're probably out of it. And that's why they went with Halak instead of starting Demko back-to-back. And thank God they did, because now they can actually start him down the stretch. Like I don't think Demko is going to be playing both back-to-backs anymore.
2: Yeah, and I think that's really important because of the workload Demko's had. And this is his first season managing a real workhorse um, starters' workload. In terms of, you know, we've talked in the past about how he's never played this many games in a single season at any sort of level in, in his career, any previous league. And last season was a shortened year a year before that he I mean, markstrom was the, was the guy and i think we know in demko that he can be the type of guy who gives you 60 starts or whatever but and having said that you also remember that going back to his college days i think he's had correct me if i'm wrong he's had at least one hip surgery i don't know if he's had both um yeah. but he's had at least one sort of like major surgery earlier in his career and so the guy like that you always want to be careful about how you ease him into a, uh, a greater workload. And I think it would have been like they couldn't, there was in my books, there was no way they could have gone. Like, I think we all agreed last time that Demko could get both back to backs on the weekend. Mm-hmm. But I think we all agreed that on this road trip with the three games and four nights, especially after having just played back to back at home, that they would have had to give the second start to at least like, well, there would have been Halak or, or Martin. And, so from that perspective, I'm just glad. First of all, for Halak, I think he's obviously taken a beating in this market, and some of it, understandably, so given his performance and some of the frustration with uh, with signing with the uh, with the bonuses. Um, but for him to step up in a moment like that, um, under all that pressure, under all that adversity, uh, against a against the Colorado Avalanche. I think that's that's awesome to see, and it'll be great for Demko to get some get rest when he needs
1: it down the stretch here. The thing I was a little bit surprised for, and Quads, I'll let you speak on this, but I was a little surprised to see Halak get the start against Colorado, too. Like The extra day off for Demko maybe helps, but I'm assuming that Demko would have gotten the extra day off with Minnesota, too, because I, I expect to see Demko in net on Saturday, and I expect to see him in net on Monday as well.
0: Well, the reason it was Colorado that Halak got the start was because, you look at it, he started the second leg of the back-to-backs all year, right? And that's been part of the reason that the guys in front of him haven't played especially well. Like, when he goes in, the, you know, you guys have watched all the games. The players in front of him are horrible. And, you know, they came to play last night against Minnesota, which, you know, give them credit. But think of all the slow starts this team's had this year, right? Especially on a back-to-back. And this was a lot about not giving Halak a raw deal. And this is a guy who's playing for a contract. Like, you know, although he'll be on the Canucks cap next year, Yarrow Halak has nowhere to play next year. Like, he's he's a UFA at the end of this year, and he's going to be playing for an NHL contract again. And, you know, it's no secret that at the trade deadline, there wasn't a ton of interest in Yarrow Halak around the league, right? Like, there were, there were no teams that were suitors for Yarrow Halak at the trade deadline, Right. That's not, that's not a good sign heading into free agency. This guy wants a one-way contract. He wants to be paid. He wants to be playing most of all, right? And that's what Bruce Boudreaux said in his availability was, you know, this is a guy who still wants to play and he's going to want to prove everybody wrong because rightfully so, there was a lot of people looking at Holak's recent performance and saying, wow, this guy like might just be washed. Like This might just be the end of Holak's NHL career. Came out against Colorado, winning a game against Colorado the way he did. That's a really good way to show everybody around the league that you can still play.
1: Yeah, you know what? Like, they needed that win so bad, not only because they're starting a road trip, but like we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, it did feel like playoffs were really out of the equation after that end of the homestand there. Was it three games in a row with a loss, one in overtime, I believe? Like, it, it felt like everything, especially after trading Mott, because I think that a lot of Canucks fans are thinking if they're going to push for the playoffs, they're going to keep Mott. Right, but ended up trading him for a fourth round pick. That's fine, but I, I just felt like it, it really it felt like they were going to be out of it. But you could hear it from the players, yes, in Thursday's availability that like they all know that there's still a chance, and there is still a chance. Like you look at the standings right now, and you see that the, the Canucks are right now four points out. Harm, you brought up the four point game coming up against the Dallas Stars. You're like, they need to win this Saturday. The Stars game. have games in hand, though. That's yeah, killer. Absolutely. But I think these, these three, games were. Yeah, three in hand. There are three games in hand right now, but you know Vegas is also kind of in the mix there too. You got to catch Nashville's going to be hard to catch. I think Vegas is done. I think, yeah. I mean, Vegas could get in. I just
2: it's still so hard. They don't have, in my opinion, they just don't have, have enough runway. Like I just yeah. for me, when it comes to the playoffs, and they've still got a shot. But to me, the, the homestand is still too much of a killer, and this is why I think the team's inconsistency frustrates so many people. Is because you see this like back-to-back set against Colorado, Minnesota, and the Canucks have this ability to play up to their competition level and yes. rise to the occasion against top teams. But anytime they play a bottom
1: feeder, I just don't understand why they play down to other teams' level. Right? Especially like they went. They should be playing up to just get to the point of like. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It matters of what points you're putting up down this stretch here. It doesn't matter if yeah. you're playing it, Colorado, if you're playing Arizona. Like, the points are this exact same. And that's the thing that should have you playing up is the standings, not the opponent. And, like, they go – like, now they're going to end the season 0-2 against Detroit. Just
2: one goal scored between both games. And they went 0-2 against Buffalo. Yeah. 1-1 one and one against Chicago. Like – that's the season right there. You pick up a couple wins there, and all of a sudden your playoff picture looks completely
1: different. Well, it's, it's very likely that the Canucks end up finishing the season like three or four points out yeah. of the playoffs. And you look exactly at those games. You look right at those games where the points were just lost and then right there for you on the table.
0: It's They're, they're seriously at danger of being in that dreaded no man's land that Yannick Hansen talked about on 650 the other day, where you're not quite good enough to compete for the playoffs but you're not bad enough to get a high draft pick and you don't want to see the Canucks hanging out there for much longer.
2: Well, it's also one of those things where maybe they are a playoff caliber roster and I can definitely see the case for it. But it's just they started so poorly that this is what we talked about. It's just like they dug themselves way too deep of a hole. And so even though this is a valiant effort and they've done everything they can to pick up points under Boudreaux, and, and they've played like 700 hockey or something along those lines. And it still hasn't been enough with the first 25 games that they had. And um, again, going back to the example I gave with Buffalo, like that was like the third or fourth game of the season where they laid an egg effort wise. I don't know if you guys remember that was that was a game where 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 players were calling out each other's as effort. So, I mean, that to me is um, I think when we look at this team, the inconsistency and um, them having stretches where they like this is the sort of stretch, the two game set where you look at how they played against Colorado, Minnesota, and you say, well, of course, they should be a playoff team and you watch them play and, and you start to believe that way. But then it's like you watch the tail end of the, the homestead and those games against Detroit and Buffalo, and you're like, right, that's why they're in this mushy middle, and they're, that's why they're kind of in the snowman's land that you've described.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll cut to break. On the other side, we'll have our poll question, and we will get into a lot more talk. Guys, I'm looking at the outline here. We've only got one thing off the list. There's at least 10 here. So we've got a lot to get to. So keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation.
1: And before we go any further into the episode, want to give a shout-out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 Beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now, we want to give a quick shout-out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there, the Jerkface 9000, the Pink Can. Something good about those cans there, Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta.
0: And a massive thank you to Parallel 49 Brewing for sponsoring the podcast. Folks, if you want to advertise with us, shoot us a message at Quadrelli on Twitter, at ChrisFaber39 on Twitter. Don't DM Harmon because he'll look for a personal sponsorship. So be sure to uh, <laughs> DM one yeah, of us. That's
1: all we need is more money going into Harm's pockets oh, here. Oh, man. I can barely afford this iced coffee here. And Big it was a dollar McDonald's one. I mean, hey, you've got to be raking in good money to be able to
2: to, to have a, a guest co-host. So <laughs> this is true. Well, we're, yeah, we're doing okay. <laughs> the, the, the sponsors are lining your pockets, and then and then and then you're just and then you you guys feel like okay, we we, we could give them some peanuts to. Jump, oh yeah, right. it's flowing down like the Nile
1: River into your pockets. That's how it's go. That's all the money's going.
0: All right, we'll get to our poll question here. Our episode 249 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds. Folks, these are the best fresh pork rinds, and they come straight from your air fryer or microwave. They have an 18-month shelf life because they're uncooked when you get them. You got to cook them yourself. Okay. Fantastic. Make sure you do that same day. Uh, shipping and delivery as well if you order before 3 p.m. in the lower mainland so go to atlasgds.com i've seen a lot of people send it to us that's like, i say hey keep things the, are
1: flying off the shelves thanks keep to the us. pictures coming <laughs> tag us on twitter tag them on twitter let you know uh you know this you know we want to keep this uh poll question sponsor running we,
0: we love atlas we got to
1: show atlas goods that the the products flying off the shelves
0: yeah Exactly. It looks
1: like it is so far okay. on Twitter.
0: Now that he's called up, who should Will Lockwood replace in the lineup? Alex Chason, Brad Richardson, Nick Patan, and as always, I'm angry. You already know who I'm going with.
1: Yeah, well, you know what I was thinking? No, I, I it, don't, because I do... I, I disagree. Think you, you are you going to say Chason? You all
0: think it's... I was going to say Chason. No, it's Patan. I, oh, no, I feel okay. like, I, okay. I've been vocal against Chason, especially at the start of the year, but... I, I'm very, wow, okay, I'll, I'll read you the results soon, but I, I went with Nick Patan on this one, and just to kind of give you my thought process, guy doesn't kill penalties, you know, he plays in the power play, second power play unit, in my opinion, he's doing what on's doing, but worse, because I've almost come around to the idea of keeping Chase in the lineup and, you know, throwing him on the power play, whatever, I, I think that's just the way it's going to be, that's fine, But remember at the start of the year, guys, my main gripe against playing Chase on was that he's taking opportunities away from Vasily Podkolzin to play the net front position uh, on the power play. And he's not even on the second unit right now. Exactly. And and that's the thing is I want to see Vasily Podkolzin play. And I want to see him get opportunities in the power play because, look, we all know the team's not super competitive right now. So start to focus on grooming these guys for the future, right? Like, that's why it... It's the same reason I said on the last episode that I think Pod Colson in the AHL makes a lot more sense and it's gonna be good for him when he goes down uh for those playoffs. But right now Nick Patan's on the power play unit. There's no long term interest with Nick Patan on the power play unit. So why is he playing there? Throw Vasily Pod Colson on, get him those power play reps. That's why I say Nick Patan.
2: I I say Brad Richardson. Really? Yes. And let me give you the reason why. For I'm starters, actually I'm with Harm on this one too.
0: For starters, Richardson.
2: Okay, that that third line has been awful. Like, I'm sorry, the last couple of games, Richardson, Lamico, Highmort, awful. And it's, I think, in large part, Richardson just doesn't fit there, right? Because you look at what Mott brought in terms of his speed. Richardson's the exact opposite. He can't skate anymore. And he's playing the middle, which has bumped Lamico to the wing. Lamico, I don't think, looks great on the wing. And so from my perspective, last two games, Canucks have been outshot 18-4. to at 5 on 5 with Richardson on the ice. It's just not working. That third line has gone from being um one of the Canucks' biggest bottom six assets to an absolute train wreck, an absolute liability. They couldn't get out of the zone against uh in both games.
0: So, do you give them any more games to try to gel together? No, I don't it like I, Richardson's just too slow. Yeah, And you look at you
2: talk to people out of Calgary, he's been that way the entire year. He was their worst skater. There's a reason he was on waivers. For me, this is what I uh, I would do insert Will Lockwood bump uh, Lamico back to the middle where he's been better high left wing Lockwood right wing and that way Lockwood brings a speed element that Mott did Lockwood isn't going to be as good defensively and, and with the little details like breakouts and things like that but in my opinion, that's the closest thing you're going, to, the closest way you can you can stylistically replicate what you had um, in that other line. And I think Patan's been fine. Personally, I I agree with your take that Pod Colson should be on the power play instead of him. But that fourth line, kind of like wh- how Faber mentioned earlier with, with Patan and with Pod Colson and with Chason, I think they've been they've pretty comfortably controlled play. I'm looking here um, with Patan through through six games, Canucks have controlled 54% of shot attempts. They're spending more time in the offensive zone than they are in the defensive end. And yeah, it hasn't necessarily translated to goals or anything, but all you need out of a fourth line is um, one that doesn't get you hemmed in and crushed offensively.
1: 55% possessions, good for a fourth yeah, line.
2: Yeah, so to me, Patan's been fine. And you know how much of a Nick Patan... I'm I'm not a Nick Patan fan, right? <laughs> We've had this conversation in the preseason, but I think he's been fine. And I think Richardson has... I mean, maybe he'll improve, but I just think the third line is a is a shadow
1: of its former self. Yeah, I'm in the same camp of moving... The exact same thing with you. I think you try, everybody wanted to see when Tyler Ma was traded, what Will Lockwood could do. And I think that's the immediate move that you make because you brought it up. Like that line, it just loses so much of what they did so well, being an energy line with Brad Richardson there who like, listen, he's, I think he was been, I think he's been fine on the penalty kill. Like I think he's like played with JT yeah. Miller a little bit and they've cleared the puck pretty well. And I think that's what you're missing if you do swap it out. But at, But at the same time, like I would play Lockwood on the penalty kill in the NHL. Like I would play him out. He doesn't have to be the first guy out there, but if you're going to, you know, kind of rotate like Bruce Boudreau likes to do with his penalty killers so fast. Sure. Put Lockwood in the mix for sure. Let him play with JT Miller. Like make that pair, make that pairing be your PK unit. And I'm in the same camp of like, I've, I think it was like 78% control of Corsi for the fourth line. The other day, the, the Patan line uh, against uh, the wild, which was like great showing from them when they match up against another team's depth and work that way. But we've seen this third line of the Vancouver Canucks, obviously with Tyler Mott before, be used for so many minutes of just going out there and skating your ass off as much as you can. And I think Will Lockwood's the guy that fits there so much more. I agree with you. I think having Lamico be the lowest forward through the neutral zone is also really good. Because one thing that I have liked about Lamico as a center is like when teams are coming through the neutral zone, Lamico has a really good reach. So like he can quickly get from side to side and break up passes through the neutral zone, which has been good. And then you just let Highmore and Lockwood now just run like crazy into the boards and and try and force pressure to create turnovers. But when those turnovers happen, like that's part of the game that I really like from Lamico this year is just his anticipation and able to get those loose pucks and then whatever it be. like It doesn't have to be him controlling an automatic possession, even just dumping it in for the two guys to go work and get the puck out. That's where I think Lamico was at his best. You see him on the wing and he's not a good first yeah. guy in. Like he, he shouldn't he be this, the first guy. Yeah. And he doesn't have the speed for it. Yeah. Right. And that's where
2: it works when he's the center because you don't necessarily need to be the fastest guy in that
1: situation. And you, you just you, let, you let you your kind of pick fly. your fly. Yeah. You pick your spot yeah. a little bit more with Lamico Like he's not great at being, you know, the missile going in first. He's good yeah. at kind of picking up whatever the loose puck comes out of. Exactly. So I that's what I, I would go with Richardson out of the lineup as well. And I don't like in my mind when I was thinking this over, I was like, yeah, well, you're losing a penalty killer. But if it's Lockwood's the guy coming in, yeah. he, he should be killing penalty Like Lockwood. Man, I I I, I don't know if I was going to say it for the prospect report. I guess not because not a prospect anymore. He's got called out. But Lockwood, uh, he's been the best penalty killer out in Abbotsford. He's also been to me the best player. Like when Lockwood's on his game and I don't want to even just say like lately, only when he's on his game because it feels like the last two months he's always on. Like Lockwood has, he's a step and a half faster than everyone in the AHL. It's, it's remarkable to watch like when a loose puck goes in and a defenseman has like three steps on Will Lockwood in the AHL. AHL defensemen just, they can't like get back and play the puck quick enough because Lockwood's so fast. He forces so many turnovers. It's ridiculous. And I know, Harm, you've watched the AHL, and it's not like the most crisp breakout passes from defensemen every time, and they fumble the puck a lot. But Lockwood takes advantage of that. And you see so many of the goals that Lockwood's assist on this year, and they're all from him forcing a turnover in the corner and just finding a guy coming down the wing or coming down the slot and having a wide-open shot. That's exactly what I want to see with Lamico. I want Lamico to be that guy who continues to, you know, work off of the turnovers that happen from guys like Highmore and Lockwood. And then Lamico can get those shots from the slot. Then you just work from there. I I, like, obviously that line's going to not immediately like have, I guess the chemistry that they had when Mott was there, but that that's putting it in the best position to get there. It's putting Will Lockwood there. I wouldn't hesitate at all. Like with Lockwood, I would have him in the lineup Saturday night going in the results of the question right now. 76% 76% of people say
0: Alex Chase on.
1: Wow. Yeah, I, I, could see, fine. I could see why people would Yeah, say that. like
0: I know he got a lot of hate at the start of the year. A lot of it forbidden it. To- <laughs> it
2: was all of us, honestly. We all ripped on him a lot. Or at least I did, too.
0: Well, so Alex Chase on, 76% of the vote. Nick Patan coming in second with 15 Brad Richardson, the low man here, 7%. And 2% say, I'm angry. Guys, I got to say, as somebody who started saying Patan at the start of this question, You've convinced me as Brad Richardson that should be coming out. Like, I mean, you're moving Lamico back to the center. And again, this almost goes back to the argument that I always try to make, especially at a time like this in the year where I say you need to be worrying about long-term when you save a sleepwalk, Colson should be on the power play. You also say you whole Lamico should be at the center position. You also say Will Lockwood should be playing games, right? Like Will Lockwood shouldn't be coming up here right. to be a healthy scratch, right? So Chris, my question to you as I read the results or whatever, remember, go to AliceGDS.com, Use promo code CC15. Send us a picture of your Pop rinds. My question to you, Chris, do you view Will Lockwood as somebody who could force himself into becoming a Tyler Mott 2.0? Well,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think that's the type of player. There might even be more grit in Will Lockwood's game. Like He fought twice in the first five games of the AHL this year. Like he's, he's not a big body, but if a guy like his size challenges him or even a little bit bigger than him, what well Lockwood can hold his own. Like he fought a guy who was like six, three and like 50 pounds heavier than him in the fifth game of the AHL season this year, uh, kind of banged up his shoulder actually. Cause he got slammed to the ice pretty hard, but he he's been just so good. Like he's been by far and you know, they have like one of the top scorers in the league in Sheldon dries, but Will Lockwood has been the best player. He's created so much offense now over the past like two months with the injuries that have happened to Justin Bailey and Phil DiGiuseppe and rest in peace to Italy, by the way, quads. I know it's been a tough uh, 24 hours for you and your Italian world cup dreams, but Will Lockwood slid right into the first line and been able to be so good, like so good, fit in so well at the HL level. The extended minutes that he's getting on both special teams units have really helped him and something that I've like heard him talk about all season long, whether it be like him talking to him at practice or talking to him post game is like he he really he really believes in like confidence and how it can really help your game. Like he one thing he always brings up is like when I ask him about the penalty kill cuz everyone on Twitter just wants to know about Lockwin the penalty kill, he always says confidence. He always talks about confidence and I think at this point he has to be more confident in himself at, than any time as a pro and, and maybe even as a hockey player cuz obviously he had good showings in Michigan as the captain there and everything, but to do it at the HL level and do it so well, I have to think his confidence is sky high. The final thing I want to say about the power play that you brought up, like Nick Patan on the power play. And like, I've just thought about this. Cause I think I mentioned a little bit earlier. I don't love it, but as like a playmaker on the right flank, it's not the worst option. Like I would prefer there to only be one defenseman and Nick Patan on the right side, instead of putting Brad hunt there. Cause I do know yeah. that like, Nick Patan in the AHL is is ridiculous. He does some wild things with the puck. He's an absolute magician when he's in the AHL. I think some of that has to translate to an NHL power play if you're on the second unit. I'm not saying Nick Patan's gonna you know steal Pedersen's job on the first unit, but filling in for like having a really skilled guy, Patan is that. Like he is. If you were to just like take away every other part of the game except for power play. Nick Patan's an NHL player. If you, if you can get him onto like a second power play unit, he would be good. And I think that's the struggle for me. is I, I hate to say it, but I do think Patan's a better option on the right flank than Vasily Podkolzin. But I, I think Podkolzin should be able to find a spot on the power play somewhere else. I just don't know if it's in that right flank spot.
0: I actually agree with you. Like I've always kind of held the idea that Podkolzin long-term is going to be either at the net front or the bumper position. The only thing is... Travis Green and everybody else you've asked about it at the start of the year when we were talking to Travis about it, of course. They all say, yeah, it's really hard to learn, and the only way to learn it is by playing there. All right, so so get him in. Like, what what are we waiting for? I, I still
1: mean, don't know why he's not on the PK. Like, while we're, we're on the topic of Pod Colesman, why the hell hasn't he gotten any time on the PK yet?
0: And that's, that's why I keep going to keep banging the drum that he should be in the AHL. Like... I mean, it's similar to Rathbone in that sure he's bringing more to the NHL lineup than whoever you're calling up from Abbotsford would, but he's not developing long term the way you'd like to. If if he was in Abbotsford, he'd be developing more, similar to Jack Rathbone. And like, I came around to sending Jack Rathbone down because you know, like, I mean, if the Canucks wanted to be super competitive right now, Rathbone's your best third pair defenseman. I think. I think honestly, like, I haven't seen enough of Dermot to make a concrete case, but. I'd take Rathbone over Dermott right now.
2: I would probably disagree.
0: I haven't seen enough of Dermott right. to make okay. that an Well, my thing. only My
2: only thought there is we saw Rathbone. Yeah, he was unlucky offensively, but he also has been overwhelmed defensively early in the season, yeah. um, especially against a team like Minnesota. I don't know if you guys remember the last time Minnesota oh, yeah. came to town and Rathbone had a really tough defensive going, whereas I think Dermott has already shown he can drive high-end third-pair results with Toronto.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's and, a funny thing. Can I quickly on Dermot? Like, you know how everybody said that like he's going to be able to skate well, he can move the puck decently, but he's going to make the big huge error in the first like two games yep. of Dermot. He's been exactly that. Exactly, exactly, exactly <laughs> what was expected has shown up in Dermot's game in two games, like not even like barely thirty minutes of ice time, and he showed exactly what was expected. Basically, with Rathbone,
0: I think the way it was looked at before, at least, was. Well, he's better than Hunt. He's better than everybody right. else. They on the third yeah. pair.
1: Now I think it, you're right. It might be a stretch to say he's better than Dermot, but with Rathbone though in the AHL, like the thing that you were talking about there is like just seeing. And you know, what like I've brought it up twice, so it kind of feels like it's something that is working in the AHL is the confidence. Like I think there was a lack of confidence in Rathbone's defensive game at the NHL this year. Like he came in, I think at the start of the year out of training camp, super confident. He achieved his goal of making this team out of training camp, but the NHL hit him hard in the face to like with his defensive play and looking like, you know, maybe there is something that he needs to work on. I think he probably recognized that as well. Just hearing from what he's been talking about now, out, out in Abbotsford was like, he was very aware of the part of his game that was lacking. And he has gone to the HL and worked like he has worked so much, bet, so much on his defensive play that like two on ones. There's, Cause again, there's a lot of two on ones in the HL. There's a lot of three on twos <laughs> and like on all of those two on ones, I, I think if you see that at the NHL level, I know that he stopped a, a dry style, and McDavid. Uh, McDavid won in his first game. But you wouldn't, you weren't feeling super confident in the defending from Rathbone. I think that's changed. Like his his defending of two on ones in the AHL has been so good. Like he's all, he slides down onto his stomach quite a bit, but he's so active with the stick when he's down there that like that's a part of his game that that I think is going to be good of him defending the rush, and, and even on the boards like. I don't know. Also, just like seeing Rathbone, he's thicker than people think, too. Like he's a he's a stronger kid than, than what people look at him. Like, I guess even saying that, like people probably think of him as a kid. He's a pretty thick dude now. Like he's put on some muscle a lot from last year to this year. And I, I think that he's taken big steps in his game defensively. And Dolly Wall had a uh, tweet today. He talked to Jim Rutherford and Rutherford mentioned that, yeah, Lockwood's called up and Rathbone is going to get games for sure. And I think that's that's the other thing I want to touch on is that those will be the only two names that are going to get called up, it sounds like, because they only have two call-up spots left after papering down Pod Colson and, and Patan, then calling both up. They only have two call-up options for the remainder of the season. That's why I don't think Rathbone's getting called up right now and why they're traveling with six defensemen, is that they can make an emergency recall and it doesn't use up one of the four because I think they still, the Canucks want to have some options with that fourth call-up, but it's going to be Rathbone. Like It, it doesn't really... It wouldn't shock anyone at all for Rathbone, Lockwood, Patan, and Pod Coles to be the four players that end up being those four call-ups. I just think they want to keep a little bit of of kind of flexibility with that fourth call-up, and that's why they haven't called up Rathbone yet.
0: Yeah, the quote you're talking about, Dollywell tweeted out, Rutherford on Lockwood on Rathbone. Lockwood is up. There is no injury to a player. This was planned. We want to take a look at him. And then Rathbone almost got called up last night, and he will definitely get games. You obviously had the report for Canucks Army
1: uh, that Rathbone was held out of the game as per request from the big club. Speaking of, I got a good tweet from Dollywall last night too. Text. Good text from, from Dollywall last night after I got that Rathbone news out. What did it say? I can't remember what it is. Love your grind. Space, yeah, that's space, right.
0: space. Enter, enter. Typical
1: Dollywall when he breaks the news just says, love your grind. That's the text that he always sends. With a couple of <laughs> presses enter a few times and then sends it. <laughs> Good right. stuff. Dollywall is the best. If I, yeah. If people that don't, well, a lot of people will not know because they don't text Dollywall. But if you text Dollywall, he's the best texter ever because it's like two words enter enter two more words enter enter then he sends a text it's like massive bubbles yeah it's how I send like my tweets you know I I always send my tweets in like three sentences Dolly Wallace is like three teeny little sentences it's awesome just the best The rest of the quotes from Rutherford, we might as well just get to them because Dollywell tweeted out everything that
0: Rutherford said in their conversation. So Dollywell said, uh, Rutherford said, rather, excuse me, Rutherford liked the pushback from the Canucks against a big, heavy, wild team. Shen is true is true character and leadership guy. That from Jim Rutherford again. Rutherford says really impressed with J.C. Miller. I knew he was good, but he puts the team on his back many nights offensively. Pedersen and his defensive play has been impressive. That 200-foot game is so good to see. That's actually something I want to talk about a little bit. Elise Pedersen looks like he's taken a step defensively, especially recently in these games.
2: Colorado, I tweeted this out, too, was, I think, Pedersen's best game this season away from the park. The amount of situations where he was just hounding possession... Stripping guys of pucks, coming back on the back check and making key defensive stops, taking away passing lanes, uh, winning battles, closing time and space quickly on opponents. That was a masterful Datsuk level type two-way performance. And I think this is this is one of those things where the jury is obviously out in terms of Pedersen is probably not 100%. He missed a couple of his games. It was, was cl- very close. Um, to missing more action, ended up drawing in as a game-time decision toward the end of the homestand. Um, Patrick Johnson of the province obviously re- reporting that it's his wrist. So with his shot and with his finishing, you can tell he's a little bit more tentative, but he's been able to, I think, the last couple of games, overcome that by doing everything else but finish. And even on the first Canucks goal, that was really impressive to me was... It's a two on one, and Pedersen. Well, well, the defender was given was, was just wanted to take the pass away. It was basically glued, cheating so hard to Besser's side, Was daring Pedersen to shoot, and Pedersen was like, "No, nah, I'm not, I'm am still not shooting this. I'm gonna thread the needle on a crossing pass, and I'm still gonna beat you." And he found the found the crossing lane somehow, some way gets Bester for the one-timer, Bester gets robbed, but then off that rebound and off a weird deflection is how Horvath ends up scoring. If Pedersen doesn't make that pass successfully, which is such a low percentage play in that situation, I mean, imagine two-on-one as a defenseman. You're thinking to yourself, I don't care if he shoots it. I'm just going to let Talbot handle Pedersen's shot all I have to do is just hug Besser and make sure the pass doesn't get across and Pedersen still finds a way to get it through. (laughs) Like that's some, that's really cool stuff. And and so, yeah, it's been awesome to see. And I think he has really helped drive um, that line. And I think that's part of the reason why we've seen Horvat start to, I mean, Horvat was coming alive anyway, offensively, especially on the power play, but it's helped Horvat get going even more at five on five. And, Um, so he's done, you know, he obviously helped, uh, Besser score, um, a key even strength goal. Haven't seen enough of those from Besser. Um, so that was big to see against Colorado. So Pedersen has quietly been such
1: a huge driver on this back-to-back set. Yeah. And I think even though you mentioned like the wrist is obviously something that seems like it's hurting him. 10 shot attempts against the Red Wings the other day. He had seven shot attempts against the Buffalo Sabres, six against the Avalanche. Like he is... I wouldn't say like I don't even know how to really say it. Like he's he's pushing to shoot still. Like it's not holding him back. Right, yeah. That his wrist well, it maybe to a certain degree it's holding him back, but he's not letting it hold him back, right? right. He's still attempting shots and and you mentioned like he comes down with two on one, makes a great pass. That's you know, could have been another shot attempt there, but it's it's good to see the scoring chance that came from that and obviously the goal that happened as well. I'm in the exact same camp. I like think he's playing good hockey and the effort level's so high, which is If things aren't working for you at 100%, it's great to see an athlete be able to know they still want to give 100% and not let the risk be something that is a detriment to his game. So I'm with you. I think we've seen some good gains from Patterson, but we bring up the Horvat goal that was scored the other day. I want to mention Horvat too. Is it eight goals in his last nine games? Like he's been really on lately. And uh, there was a question in Thursday's media availability after about, you know, what is it about these games where Horvat just plays up so well? Like he ends up getting to a level where it feels like it's playoff hockey and you get the best of Bo Horvat all the time, but he's up to 25 goals this year, right? Like I think the way that some people talk about Horvat a lot is like as a 20 goal scorer, like he, he scores more than 20 goals. It feels like every year that he's keeps moving up. And I think he's been excellent over the past nine games here. It, it's been a strong performance from Horvat when the team really needs him right now, even though he's, at times a streaky score. like it's very obvious where he'll go on a stretch of 12 games get two goals Definitely but streaky. but when he gets like when he's playing good horvat hockey where he's going to the net and getting opportunities he he's making you know he's making all of his money in that slot and it's it's a great it's great to see him play i think that even at the same time like i something about we saw this with the lotto line where miller took faceoffs and Pedersen – play defense as a center. Like, I wonder if they do that with Horvat. I think we might've touched on this on the last episode, but I, I like if you are going to play Patterson, like they call it the wing, but I can see him still being the the down low center. Like, I think that that can work not only with Miller, but I think it can work with Horvat as well. We're seeing like a sort of rendition of the lotto line here with JT Miller being able to run, you know, a lot of offense with Tanner Pearson uh, and Connor Garland, but we're seeing now Horvat, get Besser and Pedersen on his wings. And you're seeing similar things to the lotto line, which has been exciting over the past couple of games here.
2: Yeah. And I think it does work because I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but Horvat doesn't play like a traditional center. Yeah. Especially in the breakout. He plays more like a traditional winger where he's usually the first to flee the zone or at least the second guy. And he wants to be the first man up the ice leading a rush. Most of the times, anyway. He he has to be the puck carrier
1: to be at his best in that situation. Yeah, no, he
2: has to be the puck carrier off the rush. And that's what he likes to do. And to do that, you need to be able to get up high in the zone early. And if you're doing that, then you need someone else to facilitate breakouts and zone exits in the more traditional center role. And so that's kind of like you mentioned where Pedersen is obviously a lot more familiar
1: and comfortable with those responsibilities. And that's where it can work. And you like Pedersen as the guy making the breakout pass to set up Horvat, who can drive to the net, or you know, look for Besser. Like I like when Pedersen makes a breakout pass, sets up a two-on-two. You're feeling pretty confident with Horvat having the puck on his stick and Besser being the guy who can move around for the option for the shot. Like even at two-on-two, even not just two-on-ones. Like even matched, you feel pretty confident about Horvat when he's on his game that he can drive and beat a lot of defensemen in this league.
0: For Clearly, sure, I wanted to get this in Tanner Pearson. That game against Colorado, masterful performance. I thought two assists on the game. But his board work and defensive play was God. really highlighted yeah. in that game. There was obviously stripping Nathan McKinnon at the end of the game, really directly leading to the Bo Horvat empty net goal. He gets an assist on that, and boy, did he deserve it. I just want to quickly point out, I saw this today, Dom model at The Athletic is saying that Tanner Pearson's actually playing above value this year. And that doesn't come as much of a surprise, but I think a lot of us critiqued, and rightfully so, that extension when it was handed out. And, you know, maybe you can still make the argument that there's uh, the timing of the organization and where they're at. You don't want to lock up Pearson at that number. But right now, you know, obviously he's paid 3.5, but he's playing like a $4.2 million player. And that's good value. Again, 33 points through 62 games this year. Good value from Tanner Pearson this year.
2: Yeah, I think it was, he's exceeded my expectations this season for sure. And he's been um, an important middle six driver for them. I think in the scope of the contract, the question was never the concern wasn't really about the first year. It was about the last, like year two and especially year three, especially for for when you see forwards sort of approaching their thirties. Uh, and I think more than anything, even just the big picture direction of the organization, right? And like Pearson's providing great great value year one. The start of a contract is always when you get the most value out of a guy. And yet in the big picture for the Canucks, it doesn't – like they're not ready to contend, right? And yeah. I think that's where – that that's why a lot of us didn't like the contract. But no question that he's sort of come alive. And I think what stands out with Pearson is he just never makes mistakes. Like never. Off yeah. battles. He's horribly not flashy,
1: but he doesn't make mistakes.
2: Either. Yeah. I mean – I. When's the last time you critique him for a turnover in a compromising compromising spot on the breakout or a um a turnover at the offensive blue line or um you know, little a little play Simon where, on the
1: four check. yeah little plays where like the puck you see sometimes like Garland makes this mistake I think pretty often JT Miller as well where you're just about to leave your own end like your own defensive zone but you pass the puck back instead of just getting it over the blue line like yeah. simple play forcing the other team to re. Uh, I guess, re-enter your zone. Like Pearson never makes that mistake. And he does, he does do all like he is the little things guy. Like he has yeah. been that this whole time with the Vancouver Canucks ever since being traded for Erica Pranson as we won't forget. And the
2: Canucks have a serious lack of quality two way forwards, right? Of forwards. You can trust late in a third period to defend a lead. And that's what Pearson has been able to bring. And I'm glad that he's been able to find uh offensive chemistry as well with JT Miller. Yeah. Uh, Those guys able to create offense down low and and Pearson just being able to stick to his role of winning back winning pucks back on the forecheck along the walls and
1: um, just doing all the dirty work to to allow Miller and that line to really flourish. And all that dirty work is really paying off for Tanner Pearson, who in his last nine games only been on the ice for one goal against at 515 in his last nine. That's a really impressive stat for a guy who has kind of flipped around a few lines here and there too, right? Like he's he's been a guy who's played with Horvat. He's been with Miller for a, quite a while now, which has found a lot of success in helping in the defensive zone because JT Miller is going to make mistakes in his own zone at times and Tanner Pearson has been there to clean it up a lot. Like I said, the one goal against in nine games really sticks out for me over this past run and in that stretch, they've scored seven goals at five on five. So Impressive stuff. Like uh, you know, I, we don't. I don't think everyone loves the the Pearson deal that much. But when he plays this well and and has had a really good showing this year, you mentioned uh, Lachison's, I can't say this guy's name, Don Lachison, whatever. You see his uh, whatever his models. They're good. I said that on radio the other day and blew it so bad because I do the little bell every time uh, Drancer mentions it uh, on the show because it's one of those. Whenever he mentions the Panthers, whenever he mentions uh, yeah. a model, like I, I I always have to hit the ding. Uh, so yeah, I screwed up his name like live on radio the other day. it Was not great. All right, hey, in my defense, who? What kind of name is that? <laughs> it's one of those names where you like you close your eyes and you point at the alphabet and just put all these letters together, and that's no, what you got. You know, you just go L U S and then
2: mash the keyboard with
1: whatever you can get. Wow. Okay. Prospect report. Close it out here. Chris. Yeah, let me uh, quickly get an update. I, I know this is not going to be good for people listening, but going into uh, third period right now with Northeastern trailing one to nothing. So, uh, but my expectation is I guess they lose. Hopefully this isn't great uh, for an update, I guess, for a prospect. I think. we'll, we'll know more. You'll see some of it. Uh, I'll tweet it out on Twitter for sure. Um, for Aiden McDonald. we'll see if his season's over and what the future is there. We always heard from Patrick Alvine, They would, they'd love for him to sign. would love to get him the organization and uh, it would do wonders for um for the HL team though as well, but I don't believe in harm. Maybe you can correct me here. NCAA players signing, going to the HL because he isn't in the roster. Would he be able to play in the playoffs? Do you happen to know? I don't know. I, uh, how did it work with Kale McCarr? Cause I, that's did the most the high NHL profile playoffs. He went, Sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit sorry. Saying- yeah, with the AHL playoffs, like I don't know if McDonough would be able to. Oh, you're seeing the AHL playoffs. I like yeah. said NHL playoffs because um, I, I would assume that he would be papered down, but because he's not a signed player, I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't know the exact. Yeah. Yeah. we'll we'll get. Uh, I'll get more of a uh, information on that moving forward here. But one guy who is going to be in the AHL playoffs for sure, I think, uh, unless the Canucks go to the playoffs somehow and call up Spencer Martin. Spencer Martin has been so damn good in the AHL, like. I don't know. Do you guys think that his performance in the AHL is enough to end the, the little stint they had in the NHL to really give him the backup role? Because he's got a nine thirty save percentage, nine thirty save percentage over his last twelve games is is what he like what he does this year in the AHL. Is that enough to if he's playing this good to give him the backup role next year? I think so. I think so. I'd roll with
2: it, and the reason is, I mean, you're not going to expect Martin to to play as well as he did in his couple starts here because he's played out of his mind. But I think. The Canucks, because of how expensive and inefficient their back end is, they need to be efficient in other parts of their roster. And if you can get your goaltending secured, Thatcher Demko making five million, Martin right or around league minimum, have your goaltending locked up and get if, if you can get top 10, top five goaltending at a combined six million wow. or something yeah. like that's an efficiency the connects need in order to be competitive um, elsewhere given the other sort of inefficient
1: deals in the books i'll say what's edmonton paying cost in right now per oh, year God. like <laughs> that's that's a really efficient uh goaltending group there if they can get to that point so martin uh, like he's been so good man like he's he's unreal like nine thirty save percentage i bring it up again like it, it has been so impressed to see him run this this out for team is really clicking one four straight they're going to play uh friday night in stockton against the top team in the pacific big matchup for them to see how they kind of rank in the playoffs here but it should be a good playoff run for them and by the way They got uh, 80s night coming up on Tuesday against the uh, Toronto Marlies, and that game will be broadcast on Sportsnet 650, the first radio broadcast of the Abbotsford Canucks. Hell yeah. You on the call? I think I might sneak my way into the call for that one, get on the radio a little bit. Yeah, Head over my fun. my buddy uh, Brandon there. Get the uh, get on the call with him. We were chatting the other day on Twitter. Um, so I might hop on there for that. I might just go hang out and get uh, get a free hot dog. So we'll see if those hot dogs out in Abbey. I tell you, uh, maybe we should cut those out, lose another twenty pounds. But anyways, uh, Rathbone was held out of the lineup. Uh, already on, got to that. Linus on Carlson. Thursday. That's right.
0: What we need to hear. Jeez,
1: he's okay. Picky here. Uh, um, let's wrap this up. So <laughs> Lucas Forsell uh, and Linus Carlson both heading into the SHL playoffs. Uh, Going to be a nice you know, test for both of these players. I think this is kind of the final test for Linus Carlson is he's going to be a top guy on the power play on the SHL playoffs on a very strong team. Lucas Forsell. at the same time, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him moving forward here, how much time he gets with the SHL, not only this year, but moving into the next two years where I expect him to be in the SHL for what his role is. And Linus Carlson, I want to bring this up. So the final four games of the regular season, 34 shot attempts for Linus Carlson. Who's he's averaging more than eight shot attempts per game going into the playoffs here? This guy has really been cranking it up. I, I mentioned Aiden McDonough earlier. Like if they are able to sign McDonough after this year, which I don't believe is likely, but it's very, very possible still. But I wouldn't like I wouldn't lean that direction. I'd love to see it happen. But next year's AHL playoff or next year's AHL power play. You have McDonough on the right side and Forcell on the left side, like ripping shots. That's going to be a really exciting uh, power play in the HL. And then if Rathbone's not on the NHL roster, start the year next year. You're looking at like a top three on the AHL, like the big. If you're looking at the point man and then both flanks of like Carlson, Rathbone, McDonough. That's going to be really exciting to watch in the AHL, and then kind of fill the other positions as well. So we'll see what happens there. Carlson is going to finish this year. He is. His contract is up with the Canucks on July 1st as well. So they do really need to sign him after the season is over. Like, as soon as he's done, they need to sign that ELC. Otherwise, he can go sign with someone else. Um, so expect that deal to come down, like, very soon after he's either eliminated or wins the SHL playoffs. So just reminder, he's an RFA until July 1st. It might be June 1st. I think it's July 1st. But anyways, Carlson, they got to get him signed right after. Um, final thing, I uh, got... Hopefully, I can say this. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks. My next article is coming up uh, on Sunday. It looks like maybe Monday, but Sunday or Monday. Uh, I talked with Archie Baines. Had a really good conversation with him about uh, growing up in Surrey. What it was like being a Canucks fan? He's you know kind of same age as you guys. He was the same age uh, growing up and watching the 2011 run. Remembered uh, taking some SkyTrain trips up to Rogers Arena. He's a huge fan, and some interesting quotes from him. Just like. He was almost speechless when I asked, "Like, what would it be like to to be on like a Stanley Cup run with the Vancouver Canucks?" And he's like, he was saying that like at eleven, it was unbelievable to watch it happen. He says, "I don't even know what I would think if I was part of that." Like, you know, three, four, five years down the road, leading the WHL and scoring really exciting things from Archie Baines. Like, he's a really good. I, I think it's been talked about a decent amount, but I do think it might end up being like an underrated signing because I really like what Chase Waters has done. I really like what Tristan Nielsen has done. Those guys weren't leading the WHL in scoring last year. They were just pieces that were in the top end of their lineups in the WHL teams. Like, I do think that Waters is really impressed in the AHL. So is Nielsen of late. I think Baines is going to have a really big impact, like, right off the bat when he gets out there to Abbotsford. And it'll be interesting to see how his career develops if there is ever any NHL games down the road. But Ryan Johnson said some really good things about Baines as well uh, and I spoke with Brent Sutter uh, about him and, and Sutter has just said like it's crazy to watch the last couple of years how much better he's come back from his offseason training uh, who by the way Baines works with the Vancouver Canucks and Abbotsford Canucks skills coach uh, in the offseason been doing it for about 10 years he said uh, and now he's going to be able to it's kind of a cool little reunion for them now both with the Canucks organization so expect a lot of work for him in the offseason it'll be exciting uh, to see him land in Abbotsford next year final thing with Baines he said that so he's got a huge family here out in Surrey. He was saying he's expecting 100 people to show up to that first game in <laughs> Abbotsford. He's basically stealing a full section out at the Abbotsford Center. <laughs> There's going to be so many Baines jerseys out there that like like the whole, like every time he touches the puck, it's going to be wild. I, I can't wait to see uh, what his cheering squad is looking like for that first game that he plays out in Abbotsford. That's going to be a lot of fun.
0: All right, Harmon, do you have anything to add before we close out? Nope, that's it.
1: All right. Thanks, guys, for doing this. No show on Sportsnet this weekend.
0: No show on Sportsnet this weekend because Justin and I don't know how to do an outline. You guys, yeah,
1: you guys could. I, like I was going to say, even I don't even want to bring it up that you couldn't carry a show because I know that's impossible.
0: Oh, we we could do just fine. If I got Harmon as my co-host, we'd be fine. I don't know. You I guys drive should the show bus. Up and be like,
1: Did you do the outline? Did you do the outline? <laughs> no, no. <laughs>
0: we don't need outlines. We don't need outlines. We just, I, I drive the bus. I'll be like, Harmon, can you please give your thoughts on this? Harmon's got some thoughts on this.
1: All right. All right. No show this weekend, though. No show this That's weekend. That's not happening on six fifty. Harmon gets paid enough. We don't need a. He doesn't <laughs> need our Sportsnet paycheck coming in. Sportsnet's
0: like, how much do you pay this guy? <laughs> That's Elliot Friedman money. All right, for my co-hosts Chris Faber and Harmon Dial, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation, delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim. So Chris is already on a ferry. Harmon's home. I'm home. I was just getting ready to post the episode, and I realized that we didn't do a little ad read that we were supposed to do. And it's for our friends at Manscaped. If you've been around for a while, you remember when I used to do the Manscaped ad reads. So, I need to make sure that you know about it because we got a new promo code. We're coming in hot with a promo code. We can use our promo code Convo. All capital letters, capital C, capital O, N, V, O. You know how to spell it. After lighting the lamp, hit the showers with this all-in-one skin and hair care kit that covers you from head to toe quite literally. Manscaped is trusted for below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code CONVO. Make sure you go use it. Now it's the end of the
1: episode.